Wendy Anderson, thank you so much for joining us today. And for my listeners, I want to let you know that I first met Brandy maybe five months ago, and we have not known each other that long. But in that short amount of time that I have known Brandy, I have been impressed by both how she shows up in the world, her integrity level, and also what I would term as just pressing on. So it seemed to me that Brandy had a lot to share with the audience. And so Brandy, would you want to share a little bit about yourself before we dive into our conversation? Sure. Thank you for that introduction. Um, As you said, I'm Brandy Anderson, and I am a very proud native Nevadan. I was raised here by um, several parents and all of my grandparents. Everybody that I was ever related to in life was in northern Nevada and still is. Um, in a lot of ways, this community in you know Reno has shaped me. And at one point in my life, in fact, the day that I graduated from college, I thought this place can't hold me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and see the world and go places that can handle what I have to offer the world. And then very quickly, like many Nevadans do, I call us boomerangs. I came, you know, flying back a couple of years later going, wait a wait a minute, this is an amazing place. And intentionally have chosen to um, you know, raise my family. My husband's also a native Nevadan. He's a firefighter with the Reno Fire Department. And we have intentionally chosen to have our careers here, stay connected to our family and our friends and the people that we've grown up and do everything we can to invest positively and give back to the community that has given us so much. Um, I'm in marketing. I'm the chief marketing officer of an education company now. I've been in marketing for about 20 years. I knew that I wanted to be in marketing um, when Who's the Boss was on TV when I was 10 years old. Angela Bauer owned an ad agency, and I used to be fascinated with the work that she would bring home, you know, getting toolboxes out and crafting logos for plumbers out of tools. And I just, I knew right then I was going to be in advertising and I never flinched. It's just, that's just what I wanted to do because I'm creative. I'm sassy. I don't take myself very seriously. And what fascinates me about marketing and communication is that you can have a profound emotional effect and move somebody and help change their lives and never have met them once just by the words and the ideas and the intentions that you put out through messaging. And that's what really drives me. I want to just dive right in and ask you the question. And um, if you can talk about a time that you faced a change or a challenge that you did not feel prepared to make um, or, or a time that you faced when you were prepared to make, but just really those sticking points and how did you handle it? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, I'm going to share two, but they're related. The first one, um, uh, several years back, I mean, something you should know about me, I'm I fancy myself a troublemaker when I feel like the trouble is going to produce a better outcome for those around me and the people that, you know, I care about. And there was a few years ago when I was very dismayed at the public public discourse at the city council level in Reno, um, really about the way that they were treating the very valuable public servants and people that work to keep our community running and um, people that have, you know, put their lives in danger to go and help people. I was, I was frustrated with the way things were going. I was just, I wasn't seeing anyone that I thought was going to try and 
change the conversation or bring these situations to light. And so after a lot of soul searching and out of a lot of convincing my husband to get out of our comfort zone, I decided to run for city council. And I filed on the very last day. I was actually in Arizona when I filed and I filed and I was running against a, a woman who had been in service for eight years and had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But the fire inside me about the principled idea that we had elected leaders that were actually disintegrating the trust in the public of the people that actually, that go in to try and solve problems and keep people safe um, that drove me to run for city council. And it was, it was fascinating. It was fun. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever done in my life. It was also one of the most terrifying because I go into things very um, passionate and as educated as I can. But I also go in there with that, you know, that little troublemaking voice in my head, like you don't have to take anything from anybody unless you have something, they have something valuable to share and to give. And I'm always willing to learn things and evolve my opinion. That was, it's really hard in a political landscape to learn and evolve your opinion without being criticized for learning and evolving, right? I mean, there were some times when I was the most scared I've ever been in my life to speak to people that I knew didn't agree with me to share my ideas and answer their questions with integrity without the, you know, succumbing to the pressure of just wanting to give them the answer that they wanted. And um, the biggest value that I got from that experience, I was not elected was that we were able to rally a lot of like-minded people that A, really appreciated being stood up for, and B, were willing to get out of their comfort zones on behalf of an idea and on behalf, because it wasn't on behalf of me, although I would have been the elected one. It was on behalf of what was right and what was wrong and ideals. And to be a part of a group that's willing to put themselves into Positions that they would have never done before was exceptionally humbling for me, and um, and it was really fun. Now, ultimately, my second example here is three weeks before that election, I had a challenge that was thrust on me that I would have never chosen and was one of the scariest of my life, and that was when my six-year-old son um, was diagnosed with leukemia. So that's something that is a complete rug being pulled out from under your feet. You know, you're, you're moving. I was knocking on a door canvassing and I got a phone call from my husband who had just gotten off the phone with the pediatrician that I needed to come home right away that our son had leukemia. And that is just the world in that moment froze. It went silent. I couldn't hear anything that was going on around me other than what do we do next? You know, And he was in treatment for three years. It was the most terrifying thing that I've ever gone through. I'm, I would be somebody that you would describe as type B plus. I'm not even a type B. I'm certainly the farthest away from a type A kind of a person. But when you are in a cancer situation and you know that bacteria is the biggest danger to that little human that you love so much for the next three years, I had to learn how to be a nurse. I had to learn how to be a germ phobe. You know, it, it was, 
it was a really scary and also exceptionally rewarding time because at that time I learned one of the biggest lessons that I had always been too stubborn to accept is that you cannot get through life without accepting help from other people and you shouldn't try. There's so much value to be gained by being vulnerable and asking other people for help. You must have had a lot of kind of moments where you weren't sure what direction to go, right? So you had three weeks between the time he was diagnosed and the actual election itself. What happened during that time, Brandy? How did you move through those three weeks? Well, the first thing was um, the number one thing my husband and I decided in that moment was that we had to be willing to accept help from others, not only on the political campaign side, but on our personal side. I mean, I, I had to stop working. We almost lost our house. In those moments, you get the most, you're the most vulnerable, but also you get to experience the love and the energy and the, the generosity of people that you know and people that you've never met before. And that changed our worldview. The the one thing that it did for me on the on the candidacy side was realize that this isn't up to me anymore. You know, whatever happens happens and I I completely embraced that. I knew that that was not my fight and I was just going to see how that ended up rolling. On the side of my son's cancer, again, accepting help from the people that love you, you what you realize is that in time times like this, people want to do things. And it's not just for you. It's not just for your benefit. It's to help them heal and to help them process what what's going on around them. And so that's what we did. We just accepted that we couldn't go this alone and took everything day by day. And um, I would say the one thing that helped me the most was having the ability to write a blog. There's a site called Caring Bridge that is a, it's a nonprofit organization that gives you the opportunity to um, create a web page about your personal journey or your, your health journey. Because one thing that can be really overwhelming is answering 50 different people's incoming questions about how you're doing. Being able to blog about it and write about it and tell everybody the same thing at the same time and be thoughtful and authentic about it is literally how I survived those three years. How have you taken the lessons that you learned in that really crucible time? That's probably more intensity than people will feel, right? Both the Mm -hmm. intensity of an election and then on top of that, really the whole life-changing experience with your son. How have you taken what you learned there forward and what, how do you see that in your life now? The most important thing that I learned and the thing that drives me the most, I'm a, you know, like I said, I'm a very principled person in the things that I'm passionate about. I realized that the only thing that I can control that anyone can control in their life is how you move through life, the decisions you make, the actions that you take and the way that you apply those decisions and actions to the community around you with whatever intention you have. The rest of it can be chaos at any time. And so you have to be authentic to yourself and understand 
that don't waste time trying to control everybody else. The only thing you can control is the investment in controlling your own decisions and actions. So I'm going to make you dig a little bit more on that because that's something I think people hear, right? And certainly it took me a number of years to actually go from hearing it and cognitively understanding it to actually feeling that shift, right? When you know that you're at that moment where you could make, you could choose to get upset about something and yet your things slow down enough where you actually go, I don't want to be upset. You know, that's just not that big a deal. So for you, how does, how do you do that? I mean, like, it's really like the ABCs of how do you let go and know what you can control and not. Right. Um, You know, a lot of it for me is to give myself some, some space when I have an impulse to, to do something or to worry about something or to, act, you know, do something that scares me or that I'm not sure of. I always give myself the space to think about it, let my gut kick in, get some different opinions, and don't be impulsive about my actions or about the things I say. Um, One one thing that I've, I've realized in my life, and it took me a long time to learn and be disciplined at this, is that the words that you say and you put out into the universe or that you inflict on or empower people with, they matter and they stick. And once you say them, if they weren't said with the right intent, you lose control of them. It's out there. And then it's like, you know, mold or cancer or, or, or maybe, you know, a flowering bush. You lose control of that if you didn't have enough self-introspective to think about what could go right and what could go wrong. And really, why does it matter? You know, why, why does this matter? And so one of the things that I, I remember the most from my son's three years in cancer treatment, in fact, it was 1155 days to be exact, was that there's no benefit to questioning why this is happening to us. There's absolutely no benefit in that. And so what I intentionally decided to do was look around and see what was happening to us and how it was affecting others and studying that. Because we, what I realized in one of my favorite metaphors was our experience was like the big rock in the middle of the pond, the big splash but the ripple effect of what had happened to our family and then all of the amazing things that came about during that three-year healing period was much larger than the rock that got thrown in the pond. And um, learning to really appreciate, you know, people were affected by my son's cancer that I've never met before. You know, it, it changed their lives. It changed their intention. It changed their, the way that they treated people. And that was really um, inspiring and empowering for me because I realized this happened to us for a reason. So let's treat it accordingly and don't waste time questioning. That hasn't been all that long ago, not considering that your son's still a minor, right? Well, what's ironic about that question is today was four years ago today was the day he took his last chemo pill. We've been out of treatment longer than we were in treatment officially today. That so is, that's great. Yes. That's totally cool. So now you're embarking on another business 
shift for yourself. And I'm wondering what inspired you to do that, right? I mean, a number of folks are just kind of comfortable. It's not like you were unsuccessful doing what you were doing. What inspired you to want to go out on a limb and branch out, so to speak, on your own? One of the biggest fears that I have and the worst enemy for me in anything that I do is getting bored and getting complacent. And, you know, this, the position that I've held at this education company for the last six years has taught me a a ton about an industry. I had no, I had no idea. It's, it's given me access to, the smartest people in the industry and the people that know things that are happening before they happen. And they, I've built relationships with them where they'll share those things with me. And that has driven me and kept me engaged. And it's, it's a single topic though. You know, it's the single topic of, you know, higher education. And I'm finding myself a frustrated with the fact that I don't have control over the culture of this company which I have significant issues with. I don't have control over whether or not the company is going to evolve in a way that's going to, you know, help myself and my team and my partner get to that place in our lives where we can control the culture and we can actually strive to find that balance, the, the working balance where you do brilliant, hardcore, intellectually curious work, but you also don't have to feel guilty when you want to go watch your son's basketball game at two o'clock in the afternoon, or you don't want to feel guilty because you, you had a whole bunch to do in the morning. And you, so you started sending emails at 7am, but just because your face didn't cross the threshold, you know, threshold at nine in the morning that somehow you're, you're slacking. I want to empower, I want to be empowered and I want to empower the people around me that I trust you. You're doing incredible work. And I also want you to live the best life and and find the most balance and and thrive. And so, to me, that's what's really driving our change, along with the fact that I'm ready to start learning and getting digging into other people's industries again. I mean, I came from 14 years in the advertising agency world, where I was a, a subject matter expert in 12 different people's businesses. I left work due to my son's illness. And when it was time to come back, my brain, my brain had changed. It was, it felt like it was a glacier to be honest with you. And my husband was kicking me out the door. You know, I didn't have to work. We had figured it out. And he was like, no, no, you have to get back out there. You know, I, you're a different person. You need to get back out there and start feeding your, your, your brain and your spirit again. And I came to this education company. It was my first corporate job that, you know, I really committed to for long term because I was going to be able to be a subject matter expert in one thing. But now I'm ready. I'm ready to be back into the world where I've got, you know, 12 and 20 different things that I'm learning about because that's what really feeds my curiosity and my drive and keeps me from getting bored. (laughs) Very good. A couple of last questions I want to ask you. I just think about this journey that you've been on. And if you were able to speak to Brandy at the age that your son is now, knowing the life that you have ahead of you as Brandy, um, 
what advice would you give yourself or little hints? The number one thing, don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help doesn't mean you're vulnerable or weak. It means you're willing to learn and appreciate the wisdom of others. Number two is to always be authentic to yourself and to what you believe, because when you're authentic to your beliefs, it's so much easier to have the courageous conversations and to find your voice in the times of stress in whatever you're doing. If you can just be as, you know, don't try and be somebody you're not because it's really, really hard to fake your way through life that way. I would, I would encourage him to be vulnerable so that, you know, one of the things I've learned from my favorite women in life and some of my favorite men is that if someone's willing to tell you that they were scared or they doubted themselves or that this isn't going to be easy, much like raising children, <laughs> it, it does you so many more favors to know and to be able to expect the hard times ahead, you know? And so, but being vulnerable and being honest about that vulnerability gets you a lot farther, faster in life. And just don't be afraid to speak the truth. You know, that's, that's, and that's easier when you're authentic. One of the um, things that I like to ask people, cause I'm just curious is what are you reading and why? Oh, that's a funny question because I'm reading a, I was at a conference last year and I was fascinated by the presenters, um, just the data he was presenting and the perspective he had. And I, I was sitting there thinking, gosh, I wish I could look at the world in, from that outsider in and learn kind of backwards to front. And he, he was quoting a book called The Deviant's Advantage. It's written by Ryan Matthews. And uh, let's see. I wrote it down here. I'll have to, I'll find it, but it's called the deviance advantage. And I'm telling you, it, it's a challenging book to read because it's not, it's not uplifting. It's not motivating. It's basically telling you how awesome things can be. If you can push the envelope, think about something differently and deviate from the standard course. And, and those types of deviations can change the world in small ways and in big ways, you know, changing the world doesn't have to be, you know, launching an iPhone and changing the way everybody communicates and wakes up in the morning and listens to music, right? You can deviate from something very small and impact a family or impact a neighborhood or impact a community or impact your company, right? And so um, this book is full of these fascinating stories where people took the status quo and basically smashed it apart and rebuilt it to make products that change the world. And for me, I'm, I'm sitting there reading this humbling going, wow, I probably don't have the, the, like the brain to do that. Cause I think it also takes that type a personality, but it still fascinates me to glean the wisdom and the courage, just the blind, you know, unabashed courage people have to follow their ideas. And that, that kind of stuff fascinates me and drives me. Very good. First of all, is that blog you wrote still up? Yes. Okay. So when we post this, um, I'll make sure a link to that is in it. Okay. Uh, but how can people find you if they just want to check out your business and what you do? What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 
Well, um, the best way right now is to email me at brandy at pushconsulting.biz, or you can find me on Facebook. My, I'm under Brandy Thomas Anderson on Facebook. I love Facebook. I love the platform to be able to share, you know, awesome day-to-day stuff and things that inspire me. My Twitter handle is Brandy in Reno. I'm a little less, you know, fluffy around the edges in Twitter. I, I can tell you that. Um, but that, you know, those three ways, or you can call me anytime at 775-224-1572. Very good. Brandy, thank you so much. I know our paths will be crossing soon on campaign trails. <laughs> so um, have a great holiday. And we will be in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brandy. So that's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.